Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. Just as I start the recording, so Yost fixes his hair, he puts his hand through his hair. He's always smiling, he's always jovial, he's always happy to help people, which is something that struck me every single time I've met the guy. I've seen him doing presentations, I've seen him being just generous with his time and his ability. He's a very, very knowledgeable young man, and we are going to meet the great Joost Napret today, who works for Navitor, a, a lover of life, a lover of flying, and we transform ourselves to Slovenia. Now, Slovenia is not a very big country, but we're going to talk about that country here today. Hi, Joost. Welcome on the podcast, mate. Hi, Steve. Thanks for inviting me, and uh, hi to everybody. Yeah, super cool. How is it in Slovenia today? Uh, things are relaxing. Uh, you've got a mountain you've just shown me outside your hill. You've got a, a or a hill, a 700 meter. Tell us about your place. Yeah, we are lucky. Actually, they just canceled COVID-19 pandemic today in Slovenia officially. We still have some restrictions, but at least we are free within, within uh, our small country completely. Uh, I recently moved to Lashko. Maybe some people uh, know this place by Lashko beer <laughs> when they visit Slovenia. It's a green, green bottle, green, uh, green cans. Here, just behind the house, I have 700 meter uh, uphill. I can do actually uh, hike and fly every day, flying, having fun, enjoying the life, and also work. So it's a good mixture of serious life and having fun. Oh, and you were a very diverse pilot uh, just before I was asking what you're flying at the moment. And you tell me you have a variety of three different gliders. Uh, the one fun one you have is called Tonka from Skywalk. It's also got a Slovenian name. Tell us about that. Yeah, actually, Tonka, I renamed uh, her <laughs> to Tonchka. Tonchka is actually a Slovenian name from, uh, for, for a grandmother, uh, like kind of traditional name. And I say, and I'm saying that Tonchka always bring me, bring me down from the hill. Wherever I go, she takes me down. So it's a, it's a, it's a good, good nickname for her. <laughs> and one of your other gliders that uh, unfortunately is a little bit small for you on the size is the X Alps Four yeah. from Skywalk. Tell us about that great glider. Yeah, it's a, it's a super light. I gained some weight in the last two months, so I'm a bit heavy, but still it, it really climbs well. I like it. And what I like the most is actually this verse, that, that usability performance in a very small package is not too, too heavy because with hair flying competition equipment with all the ballast, you, come, you can easily come between 35 to 40 kilo to flying M size. With this package, you have actually eight kilo, maximum ten, with the water and everything for uh, the daily cross-country flying. And you can be really flexible. You don't worry about to bomb out anywhere, no matter how far from home you are, and so on. So, more I'm thinking of, more I'm doing flying, and so on. I'm finding this kind of equipment the most usable one, let's say, on a daily basis. And it offers you completely new dimensions of flying, hiking, 
traveling. I agree that smaller and lighter is definitely the way to go in paragliding. Um, uh, over the years, the paragliders have just gotten bigger and heavier, bigger, and the harness is more aerodynamic. And sure, they've got their place in competition flying and high-end competition flying. But I think for general all-round flying now, an 8 or 10 kilogram equipment that you can easily put in an aeroplane's hold as aeroplane um, uh, restrictions become more and more difficult. And we always seem to be fighting with aeroplanes uh, and airline companies about what our equipment is in our bag when they see these enormous backpacks showing up at check-in. Um, yeah, the, the small light equipment, I have to say, I really love it. Uh, yeah, I need to admit here that we maybe we are not fair completely to the to the let's say to the hot class gliders because uh, flying competition glider uh, this heavy duty equipment at the end is still something different. It's still fun, but if I comp if I uh, take a look at my case, flying five days per year serious cross country world record attacking big triangles long distance so on and let's say 20 to 30 days per year of competitions it's actually you can use this glider 30 days per year the the other the light one the versatile uh, let's say more versatile cross country equipment you can use every day that's the difference again ccc gliders hot class equipment, heavy duty, has something special. And when I do it, I really enjoy it. It's just not for every day. Yeah. No, I mean, when you showed me outside your window a few minutes ago, and here it's raining in South Africa today, but you were showing me a beautiful place where you've got a 1,100-meter mountain, which gives you a chance to quickly run up the mountain. In one hour, you've actually come back by flight, landing close to your apartment, and suddenly you can get back to work. Tell us about that. The, that's the thing I do now like, on a daily basis or when possible let's say I can really I can fly here on the I'm Lashko is a bit more on the east side of Slovenia here when we have influence of cold front and before cold front normally here southwest uh, wind is coming and it's normally it's it's too strong for normal flying but other than this I can I can say, let's say, normally fall is well. We fly here between three to five days per uh, per week. And in, even in the winter, when if you wish to do some thermal flying, we still have Liak on the west side of Slovenia, where where actually we can fly all the time, and it's one hour and a half by car, 100 kilometer away. And this is also the thing uh, why Slovenia, I would say, is one of the best compromises at least for me, for the quality of life. Within one hour, we can say you can have everything from seaside to the high mountains, ski resort, flats, spa, thermal centers. Actually, everything what, what you, you want to do. Outdoor sports, indoor sports, just have a casual life, playing classic, touristic, whatever you want to. <laughs> I agree with you that uh, Slovenia is really a wonderful country. It's getting lots and lots of popularity, um, and I think it's growing strongly in terms of tourism and the right kind of tourism, our kind of tourism, adventure tourism. You've got mountains, you've got Lake Bled, you've got uh, Ljubljana, the capital, and of course you've got uh, famous, famous flying places, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Liak, and of course Tolmin and uh, Kobarid. Everybody knows these places are stole absolutely brilliant cross-country flying conditions on really a nearly daily basis um, near the south side of the Alps. 
So you're really having very, very nice uh, conditions to fly. You have 2 million inhabitants in your country. You have the word love in the words Slovenia. So tell us about that. <laughs> Slovenia has love in its name, maybe also because of kindness of the people living here. Everyone are coming to Slovenia feels uh, welcome here. The people are kind, warmy. Not only the ones which are doing the sports or which uh, which you meet when you when you do paragliding, let's say, but in general, uh, it's safe and nice place to live. I went to World Expo in Milan in 2015, where every country has pretty much got a stand, and mm. I couldn't understand why Slovenia had love, love, love everywhere, and that was obviously the launch of uh, your tourism push towards the word love out of Slovenia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's say national touristic uh, organization or government, in other words, yeah, they started with this. It was kind of slogan for promoting Slovenia in uh, terms of tourism. Now, your paragliding scene's pretty out there. Uh, you've got uh, Tillen, you've got Yuri, you've got yourself, you've got uh, Primash, you've got a couple of very, very good pilots. You've been breaking lots of world records. You told me with a little giggle uh, a little earlier how you proudly have the first 200-kilometer triangle that you kind of stole back from the Valich brothers. Um, uh, you've been doing very, very well. You've been having PwC wins. You started flying in 2006. You work for Navita. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on this podcast is to talk a little bit about Navita. Navita is owned uh, three people. Tell us about them. Yeah, uh, there are three guys. Erasm, uh, the guy who originally wrote CU software in 2001. Then Marco, he's working on the audio devices, navigation software, and all the background about the loggers. And then here is our CEO, Andre. He's the third owner of Naviter. So three guys. Recently, we are a team of, I think, uh, around 15 people, seven, eight in development, and the other, the other uh, is management and uh, production. I really love your uh, product. Um, the OD4 that I have um, got a cracked screen uh, last year at Kupi Car, and you guys had a stand there. And I do remember approaching your stand, and it was just with a smile and a happiness that you guys took my instrument, gave it a new life, and handed it back to me like a brand new instrument again, which was just amazing. And I, I couldn't believe, I thought you had actually replaced it. And you said, no, this is still your same instrument. We've just given it a cleanup and a changed what we've needed. I think that was a really, really nice thing to do. I think that you guys have got a great vision with your company. What's, what do things look like? You were gently whispering that you've got some uh, exciting new developments coming out. Anything you want to say about your company? Uh, in the terms of development, I can say that last year or two, we spent a lot of time to organize ourselves, our dev team, to start working more systematically, to focus on which features we want to develop, on which technologies we want to adapt in the future. If you check our blog recently, we are uh, launching the new features out quite, quite efficient. I can say quantity how much, but they are going, they are rolling out quite fast. But uh, more major things are coming for sure. And definitely the future is bright here uh, in the way of uh, new technologies, uh, connecting the uh, weather integrations into one seamless package. And this is also why we, we moved a classic CEO software to the CEO cloud which uh, integrates well seamlessly with our uh, hardware part of the Odis. So um, we are going that way. 
connecting everything and our mainstream is still what is our slogan, uh, enabling pilot excellence. So helping the pilots to become better pilots through using our products. Uh, one part you mentioned before, uh, copy care and uh, updating, replacing the screen on your Audi. The support, the top-notch support, it's something we are trying to keep on the high level because there is a lot of competition in uh, on the market. It changed a lot in the last 10 years, um, in, especially in the way of instruments. There is a lot of free source softwares outside and free source things and so on. We believe that here is a big difference. So for, for, for the products you buy from us, we provide top-notch support. Here we would like to separate and here we can separate from the rest of the free source projects. I, th I think that the free source products, and I speak for myself, of course, but the free source products have got their place, but they are still not a professional flying instrument, which is dedicated to do just that job. If you are taking your uh, flying uh, seriously, then you need to have a serious instrument too. That's just my feeling. So whichever sport I do, I want to have good equipment. I would so I will not say I want to have the best equipment, but no matter, I do kite surfing, ski touring, paragliding. If I do that a lot, I want to have good equipment, reliable equipment. Anyway, we don't have a lot of time to do these things, but when I go, when I do, I want to take the stuff and go and don't care about anything. And it's the same, uh, so with the instruments it's like this, as you mentioned, free source. Yeah, of course, if you are a bit technical type, you can do miracles with it. But still, at the end, also the technical people I know, after some time they get bothered about dealing with the problems or they, get, they, they lost a good result on the competition because of the lack in their instruments and so on. And then at the end, <laughs> you always see some people coming back and say yes. I know I will buy. I know you will do you will do your part when I need your help, and that's it. I think you've said it really well there. Um, uh, it's, uh, you, you have to ask yourself how much is your sport worth to you. You know exactly. Uh... That that's the that's the main point. If you if you do a lot of paraglining, I think you need a good glider accordingly aligned with your skills, pilot skills. Then of course harness for your needs. Now, nowadays you have so much, so much big range of equipment. So really, you really need to ask yourself, as I said, as we said before, I have now three packages or two packages, two and a half, let's say, to combine everything. So you really need to ask yourself what you would like to do. What is your, uh, what is your way of doing paragliding? Just jumping down from the hill, doing serious cross-country competitions. If you would like to combine, then you quickly come to conclusion to to have uh, more more sets of equipment. And I think quite a lot of people who do a lot of paragliding today, they, they have at least two sets. So let's say one for flying, one for hike and fly, as I see now. Yeah. It's, it's true. I have my um, competition glider and I have a, a Mentor 3 light that I bought from Dushan. He organized that uh, <laughs> for me last time I was in Slovenia. Easier starting. Uh, gentle flying uh, bee glider and I have to say the combination works quite nicely for me I've uh, only ever kind of fo focused on having one glider and now a lighter smaller equipment and the competition equipment together is actually quite quite pleasant to have as a combo have you got any really cool tips to give any pilots that are up and coming you're of course a very respected pilot you're a pilot who who, who has shown his metal while flying 
Do you have any top things that you would like to say for any up-and-coming pilot? I, speaking about myself, I can say for myself, I was never a really talented pilot. Comparing to Till and Valich brothers, Yuri, so my uh, idols I have around me here uh, here in, the, in, in Slovenia. But I always compensated that part of non-talent with uh, a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of flying. So if you don't go, you will never progress. If you don't fail, you will never progress. I would say these terms, these phrases are uh, <laughs> applicable in every <laughs> way of our lives, especially in paragliding, this comes to the point. So when is the day you go, take your time, go flying. If you like flying, even if you are afraid of it because you got a big collapse last time and so on, go earlier, go in smoother conditions to adapt a bit. If you see that this is not for you, go on the lower class glider, even stop, take a break. So in the way of doing a lot, this thing for sure you will progress. Then you simply analyze, try to improve the things. You try new equipment, different weather conditions. It's really important to fly on different terrains, I think. Especially in this way, the competitions are perfect. You go all around the world, flying on different places, thinking about weather conditions, Conditions overall, the terrain configuration of different places, this gives you a completely new aspect on thinking. For me, with, for, for example, for me it was really funny. I was uh, living in uh, near Kran, so in the mountains now for seven years. As said, I moved to Lashko just two weeks ago with my girlfriend. But I was born here, I started to fly here in Lashko, and in the time when I was working with 777 in Eidos, then now... With, still with Naviter, but when flying in the in the Slovenian Alps and uh, crossing to Austria, of course. Actually, when I came here, we had two or three days really good of cross-country flying. And the way I was thinking now about that terrain was completely different than before. For example, I was already experimenting flying small hills, least sight and so on. And it's actually really good, uh, good training to, to combine, to explore. I'm thinking about this place to fly completely different like when I was newbie like 10 years ago or 13 years ago. That's the way to go, I believe. So exploring the things, pushing. But if you don't go a set, you will don't have a story. So the more the merrier. You need to fly. You need to adapt. You need to fly and take best out of it, I think. Yeah, I think those are quite wise words for a young man. Thank you very much, young man. <laughs> yeah. If you sit back uh, just staring on the internet and uh, hoping for the best, you're going to have to be out there and actually get your hands dirty. That's that's how it works. Uh, I had a lot of bomb outs on the comps also. And I see when we speak about the comps, most of the recreational pilots are afraid of to go. But that's wrong thinking, I would say. Even uh, nowadays, there you, you can find a lot of these fun comps like uh, Naviter Open, we have Serial Cup in Slovenia, I think it's Gene White Open, Ozon Chavre Open, and plenty of them. These are just few I know uh, from my head. And if you go there, even if you fail, you can learn a lot. You have also a lot of lectures there from uh, good pilots, which can give you the right answers on your questions, even even if you are uh, just coming into paragliding scene, or if you just want to progress to fly safer, for example, or to make your personal best. Like, I wouldn't, 
I would say that the, the way of um, doesn't matter on which level you are, the approach always needs to be the same. Asking the competent people, uh, collecting informations from different people, and then make your own opinion out, out from this. A really nice one. Yeah, I agree. I love the idea of those beginner comps. I think that that the Chabri open and the and the Gin wide open and the Navita open. These play, these are really a very very good concept. And I think a lot of pilots are arriving even at any competition for their first time with a completely different approach, uh, a wrong approach. Yes. They are arriving and they're, they're arriving and they're going to feel terrible if they bomb out on the first day. Everybody bombs out sometime. Uh, it happens. Uh, what do you want to say about that? Yeah, I had a lot of bomb outs in my life, even such which hurt a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, but that's the game we play, actually. You need to bomb out. You go home, you think about it, you train more, you fly more, you go back. And normally, if everything is done correctly, for sure you will do the right thing after or the next time. Some people are more consistent. Uh, somehow through the years, I also think that the flying style of each pilot is also showing uh, the mentality of each pilot. So I would say I also found out the, somehow in parallel that uh, speaking with pilots on the ground, with people on the ground, uh, their mentality is also a kind of a reflection uh, on their flying style. And you can really see these uh, conservative people, how they fly, the ones which are ready to risk, which are used to risk. Uh, or also, let's say it, it reflects their lifestyle also. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's actually surprising some of the characters that uh, we meet yeah. in paragliding. And it brings me to the next, and I see you smiling and nodding your head. Because uh, when I asked you earlier, have you got any funny stories about paragliding? And your answer was what? <laughs> that paragliding is overall uh, one big funny story for me. I call it paragliding circus because you have mixture of so many different characters, mindsets, people coming from completely different spheres. You have practically everything from pure people to billionaires. So not just uh, talking about the money, but like really mixture of everything. A lot of time I'm joking that paragliding pilots Normally, one pilot thinks that only he is normal and everybody around <laughs> are crazy. <laughs> and that's actually true, I would say. Uh, whenever I go um, on the paragliding events competitions or wh wherever I meet my paragliding friends, uh, I say, OK, that's it. That's paragliding circus. So fun itself in the basis. It is a circus. I agree. Every time I come and visit you guys and make a competition and Gasper, you one of your Slovenian locals, is so good at putting competitions together. He organizes up to eight or nine competitions a year. He does such a great job of making such an unpretentious, great, great competition, which is often in Tolmin, uh, right at Camp Cabre. Whenever we are there, it's always a camping circus and the warmth of the Slovenians is fantastic. Offering a beer, <laughs> going to have a good time. Slovenia in itself obviously lends itself to really, really fun times. Beautiful. It's uh, kind of back to basics. And it's one of the five ex-Yugoslavian countries. Tommy Edson was telling me a little bit earlier, if we could just turn a little bit towards the history. Uh, Slovenia was really the first country to say, right, we're actually not agreeing with this whole structure of the Yugoslavian state. Uh, do you want to fill me in a little bit more on that? 
Uh, actually, I was just born in Yugoslavia, 89, so two years before Yugoslavia went apart. I don't remember the war <laughs> or <laughs> the times when we split away because I was so one. When we're speaking about the history, there are different uh, views. Opinions, yeah. Yeah, opinions and so on. But for sure, Slovenia was the first one who went away. I think this was a good move. Political way, Slovenia is kind of mixed between serious German systems and still kind of socialism from ex-Yugoslavia Republic. In one way, it is reflecting us as bad in the way of development of the country itself and uh, organizing we still have some corruption and so on but on the other way that's the that's the good thing about slovenia said on the beginning this is why um, we are also nice as a people i think so somehow. look most slovenians are very nice you are not so nice yours but most people yeah i need nice. to shave later <laughs> <laughs> funny guy absolutely great i think uh, we could probably wrap it up here if you've got any last things you'd like to say or any last themes or any 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 message for the world oh, um, any message yeah I, we know that we survive that no not that we survive that we live in <laughs> quite challenging times um everything will gone and uh, we will be we will be free to fly wherever we want again so keep safe stay healthy and i'm sure we will see each other soon i am sure we're gonna see each other really soon and hopefully in the air and racing each other in some competition sometimes yeah cool sure cheers my mate